Hey, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao. This is a show where I chat with awesome, creative, talented people about、uh, how their life has impacted their work and、um, what they've been up to as a human being in this wild, wild world. And it's really cool for me to share these stories with you. You can find tons of them at coffeewithbao.com. And、um, today, I'm hanging out with. <laughs> I'm hanging out with Tony, one of the most talented music folks that I've had the pleasure to work with. We have Aww, a new single、sweet. called. Tony, what's your single called? It's called Daydreaming. And it's super good. I hope you guys get a chance to hear it. But we'll talk about Tony,、uh, their life, their career so far, and、um, we'll also break down a little bit、um, our new single, Daydreaming, and how it all came together. So here's Tony, Tony Nguyen. Wow, you said my name right. This is such a refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> With the glottal NG, that's just hard. Even I can't do that. <laughs> Tony,、uh, Brooklyn, is that where you're calling from? That's right, Brooklyn. Tony's calling from Brooklyn, and、um, Tony is a musician, a musical artist, music educator as well,、mm-hmm. and、uh, just all around creative person. Anyway, good morning. I good guess. Good morning. Or、is、afternoon for me. But it's, good、cool. afternoon. Honestly,、uh, welcome I... to Coffee with Bao. Welcome.、Um, so, anyway. Like I said, Tony, I love collaborating with you because you're just so fast. And I always get the sense that we're playing. Like we、mm-hmm. are exploring and, and learning and trying stuff out. And, you know, it's funny because you're, you're extra fast and you're like a very, very good musician and producer.、Oh. Um, you grew up around Southern California. Now you're in New York. But, like,、mm-hmm. did you do music things? Yeah, so what I always like to tell people is I could do music before I could really talk, honestly.、Um, <laughs> fun fact so, up until like four, I had like speech issues due to a ear infection. So、mm. I was unable to hear for the first few years of my life.、Um, but for whatever reason,、um, they, my mom cleared it up and my doctor cleared it up. So at four slash five, that juncture,、um, I started taking piano lessons. And this is my assumption and why I think I'm really fast and like think of music very intrinsically.、Um, it was very coupled with my language development. So I've been doing music since forever.、Um, I took piano when I was four and continue to play piano. I was in band. That was my second love. I played trumpet. And the reason I played trumpet、oh, was、wow. because, yeah, yeah, I know, right?、Uh, I miss, that's something I do regret. I, miss, I regret not keeping up the horn. But I played trumpet in band because my brother played trombone. So, like every little, do I say brother? I mean, I'm non binary now, but like, I guess every little sibling, I wanted to copy my older brother.、Um, so, I took up, I wanted to take up like tuba, but my mom was like, no, no tuba, tuba for you. You're a tiny Asian kid. You're not going to carry a tuba.、Um, so, I took up trumpet.、Um, but Imagine explained... how ripped you would have been, though. You would have been I... super strong. Dude,、super、I could have gotten Simu vibes, please. <laughs> Simu vibes. <laughs> Dude, see me with like tuba. But yeah, I,、um, I took up trumpet、uh, and it really stuck with me. Like, I was good for my age, you know, as good as like, basically, I didn't sound like shit.、Um, and I stayed because like, band was the first time I realized like music creates community. Like, I was hanging out with my、mm. friends and like 
doing after school programs and spending a lot of time with people and making friends. Um, and that's what has kept me in music, honestly. And then in middle school, it was all over. I picked up a guitar and started writing songs. Yeah. That's when you Oh, you know. started writing songs as a tween? Yeah, in sixth grade, I wrote my first song. No way. Um, about another person's heartbreak, but alas, still. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and that got me really deep. I got really deep into pop music also. Like, I fell in love with Coldplay in middle school. That was a big thing. Um, and then in high school, I picked up jazz. So I picked up bass because I wanted to play in the jazz band, but I didn't want to play guitar um, yeah. because I thought bass would be easy. Oh, stupid Tony. But yeah, I picked up bass, and that really changed my career because in high school, yeah, it made my career, honestly. Like, if I didn't have that jazz education, and more importantly, um, playing bass, as every bass player knows, you get called for a lot of gigs just because there's not there's a lot <laughs> more guitar players than there are bass players. So even though I was a very <laughs> mediocre bass player, very new to jazz, um, I got play I got to play with a bunch of people. Um, shout out to Cole Riddle. I don't know if, I don't know if I'll ever hear this, but he's a local LA jazz musician, so maybe um, I played with him and he like changed my life. He's like a jazz, like he was such a like a prodigy basically. He like wow. ripped that sh- he ripped the piano to shreds, man, and that really kicked my ass. As a teenager, um, a as a teenager, yeah, I was playing like awesome, um, like what is that called? Like Joshua Redman, um, Aaron Parks, like all those like more fusiony modern mm. jazz. Like I was already there in high school, very underqualified. But you know, I was always tell people, don't be the best person in the room. Like you learn when you're the worst person in the room. I'm always the worst person in the room, so awesome. I got that covered. <laughs> <laughs> Too hard on yourself. But yeah, that's when I learned bass, and that's also when I started dabbling into music production um, with GarageBand. Such cringe. I just wrote John... Oh, I also got into John Mayer. But like, I wrote like John Mayer copycat songs. Went off to college, continued to play in bands, so I was in like, still in every jazz ensemble. I played mm-hmm. in pit orchestras. I've played in... Oh, at one point, 12-piece indie pop group with strings and horns and whatever, and I also played in a rock band just like a four piece and then i went to new york um and continued to do my solo stuff but in a nutshell to answer your question yes i've played music forever um but it wasn't until i like became an adult where i realized music could be a career so even though i was Mm. doing all this music and like it was encompassing my life and like taking over and like was my whole entire being and reason for living I didn't let it be my career until way later, just because, as you know, um, a lot of Asian Americans in the diaspora struggle with balancing like the wants of their immigrant parents versus like what they personally would want to do. Um, yeah. So I was a software engineer first um, before I. Oh, uh, let's musician. talk about this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, I'm segueing. You I, know, mean, I got it. <laughs> it's super. It's super common, right? To. Mm-hmm dedicate all of these man hours and your whole life to for example a a lot of people take classical piano or violin or something Mm -hmm. and then they never think that it's a viable career path because Mm -hmm. for whatever reason uh there are other options that are safer and i think uh both of us kind of had that in our life right where we were Mm -hmm. We've been artists our whole life, but then we're like, well, can I take my creativity to something that's safer for the yeah. sake of my parents and my family or whatever? And how did that play out in your brain when you're like, oh, I'm going to become a computer engineer? 
with all of this music knowledge and and experience and and passion. Mm -hmm. I mean, in university, my first year, I honestly I went to so for context, I went to school as far away as I possibly could. Hated um, being real. Hated being near my family for a lot of different reasons, like being queer, being um, not a standard Vietnamese man. <laughs> Very not a man, any you know, like. <laughs> so I wanted to get as far away as possible. So I went to school in Boston at Tufts University. So freshman year, everyone was doing computer science because yeah. it's a great way to make money and it's super low key. And if you're good at it, honestly, even if you're mediocre at it, you can get a really good job. Um, so I wanted to like it, so I took it um, because a lot of my friends were doing the intro course and it was fun. Um, and honestly, like I thought it would be fine. I ignored a lot of the red flags mm. of like for the fact that I didn't like coding. <laughs> Let me explain. Like coding was a fun puzzle, but it wasn't like music, right? I didn't get like some of my peers were like, bro, I stayed up all night coding this thing and I'm so happy about it. Like that wasn't me. Like I yeah. thought if I found like a project that I really enjoyed or a company I really enjoyed working at or people I really enjoyed working with. You know, it offset the fact that coding is a bit, honestly, boring to me. In college, <laughs> coding is always, like, in a group or, like, with people and peeves around. Oh. And, like, you're, like, commiserating together, staying up late. Um, but when you get in the real world, like, at a company, a lot of it is just sitting at your desk alone. And that's when I realized, like, I had seen that, like, when I had been coding in school. But I didn't fully realize it until I was mm. in that seat at the cubicle. I'm like, oh, I'm alone doing this thing I don't really enjoy. And it really sucked the soul. And as you know, and I think people can tell from this call, like I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people and having conversations. Um, so to have a job where the majority of your day is sitting alone on a computer, not the best, Rough. honestly. Yeah, it's, it wasn't, it didn't fit me as a person. So what do you think was like your, your major thought process around like the responsibility to have to your family or whatever to pursue something outside of music like what was like the primary emotion that drove that so the main thing was like i didn't want to let them down you know what i mean um damn <laughs> it's true i mean and getting really personal like my brother and sister are also not standard asian kids um quote unquote um, yeah. whatever that fucking means, I was, right? I was about to say, that's a deep... Uh, me, the youngest, like, by a long shot, like, my brother is six years older than me, and my sister is, like, over 10 years older than me, 20 mm. years older, like, 15 years older than me. Um, I saw that, I'm like, well, I can't fuck up. I can't be... I have to, like, make my parents' life easy, because they already struggle so hard. Yeah. Um, it was never, like, you can't do music. You, I mean, other than a few times. But, like, you can't do music. You're not allowed to do... They weren't, like, strict in the affirmative way it was in my opinion more sinister where it's like implied where you're like what do you want to be a bum and do music or like that was a real quote or like oh like how are you going to support a family are you going to be do you feel disrespected if your wife makes more than you it's like all these little comments that like wow i got you were under underneath that like informed my fear of doing what i actually wanted to do um, yeah yeah. Wow. That. Thank you for sharing that because that's that's actually a really 
like powerful perspective to hear about. Mm-hmm. I mean, all immigrant, no matter how your family is, all immigrant kids have to um, navigate that. Like, oh, like my parents grew up with a different set of options and they will be unable to see the options you have. They don't understand. <laughs> like, yeah, and they never will. And it's really not their fault because they didn't grow yeah. up in that environment. And but you know, like that's why it's so appreciated when when parents are like way more open minded about what their kids want to do. Like, mm -hmm. parents didn't have TikTok back in the day. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't know people can make like whatever six figures doing social media influencing. Like that just never was there. Exactly. Right? So it's cooler when parents are just like. All right, I trust what you're doing, but I'll I'll just support you and ask you tough questions. Mm -hmm. so, and that's cool. to be fair, um, of course they struggled with it when I first quit, but nowadays they support but don't understand, um, making their way towards support fully. Because, like I said, there are certain goalposts I'm reaching in my career that they can point to. Mm. Um, right? They yeah. know I'm not just trying to be just a singer, yeah, writing songs. Um, not, that, not saying that, like, that's not a viable career path. It is. Like, you can be a working artist. So, yeah, anyone listening, you can, be, you can make money being an artist. But I personally don't want to do that. Um, I don't want being an artist to be my only thing. Yeah. If I'm being honest. And I learned that this past year, honestly. It took so, a bit. <clears throat> before I, I segue into your current work, um, mm -hmm. I wanted to also share that I had to do quite a lot of work with my family over several months or, or more than a year to mm -hmm. kind of just educate them that uh, being in a music career means more than like trying to be the next Justin Bieber. Yeah. Like exactly. the super famous artist mega star. There's so many other roles to play in music. And mm -hmm. so, um, I mean, if, if your family or whatever doesn't understand that it takes a little bit to explain that and un kind of reveal the behind the scenes of, of music, right? There's huge teams working on things and exactly. that's the fun part, being part of those teams. Honestly, I wish more, even regardless of the immigrant, like being immigrant kids, our parents aren't knowing that, I would just wish that was a general knowledge thing. <laughs> yeah. um, I wish all musicians knew just how much money there is to make um, and how you can, for example, I live in New York City, which is expensive, but I make it work. Um, and uh, da, 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 my shtick, my soapbox, and you can balance it with your mental health and like what you want out of life, it, which I'm still working through, obviously. But that is a whole thing of mine. And that's why I'm so transparent about like my struggles with like my career and whatever. Like, I think there are not enough examples of people um, who, I think if you looked at my, I, I'm, this is a little tangent, but if you looked at my social media, it feels like I have a glamorous life. Um, <laughs> And I have it all figured out and like, I'm like doing so many amazing things, which I am, I'm not going to lie and say it, but I'm also being transparent about like, oh, like I also struggle every day. Um, sometimes I'm not sure where my money is coming from, um, but it's all worth it for freedom and the freedom to do what I want to do, which is why I'm still, a, which is why I'm still a freelance musician mm -hmm. um, versus like wanting to get signed to a label. <laughs> wow. That's a whole <laughs> that's just, discussion. That's funny. Um, you know, versus like just trying to be an artist who wants someone to pay me money, uh, which yeah. would be nice. But also, what would you lose? Like, what lifestyle would you have to accommodate for that? Ooh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so you said something earlier that was second nature to you, which is 
use two words to describe, which is when I quit, right? And that's second nature to you to refer to this period in your life where <laughs> you quit your office job and you said, F it, I'm going to go into music. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a lot of listeners or, or people watching this might have totally missed that thing. Can we j talk about kind of like how that went down and, and I guess what mental challenges you had to overcome to, to make that leaf? Yeah. Um, when you quit. When I quit. <laughs> let me, okay, let me give you, a, there's a few layers to this. Um, let's start with the most base layer. Um, logistically, I was at my job and I knew I wasn't going to be there for a while. I knew it was, I thought I was going to quit in like two years, but it ended up being one because it was a toxic company and it pushed me to my brink. And on top of software engineer, it just wasn't a good career fit. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Um, it just like wasn't a good fit, personally. Number two, my mental health was declining rapidly. Um, trigger warning, suicide, depression. Um, but yeah, I like... Real talk. Real talk. I started waking up every morning, not wanting to get out of bed. And then I'd go to the train. And then I'd think about throwing myself in front of it. Or I'd think about throwing myself off a bridge. And I'm like, well, I mean, I've struggled with depression my whole life. So um, I know what to do when that happens. I'm like, oh... Something is very fundamentally wrong when I want to die, um, obviously. But it's usually to do with control. Um, I felt that at that point in my life, I did not have control over anything because I felt mm. trapped at my job um, because it was like providing me money and health insurance and et cetera. And I felt like, but I, and I felt like I wasn't ready to do music. Mm. Or in, I wasn't sure if that's something I wanted to do. Like, I didn't know if I could deal with that instability in my life. And on top of, like, what are my parents going to think? So that's another level. Yeah. And then, oh, man, just that just threw me off. Because there's one more thing I want to talk about with that. But basically, let me just, so segueing into how I eventually quit. Um, I made a plan. And I knew, like, okay, I'm just going to set a year from... And to be honest, it was logistic. Um, you have to pay back your relocation stipend if you did quit within a year. So I waited a year. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to save this much money so I can work. I cannot work for a whole, I think I said six months. Um, I saved, let me put numbers on the table because if you're thinking about doing this, I will put numbers on the table for you. And you can also DM me if you want to talk about it. Um, but I saved like $30,000. Where are they going to DM you? Tony.wave on Instagram or TikTok. Um, I'm on both, and that's where I primarily focus. So T-O-N-I-E dot wave, W-A-V, like the wave file. So I saved like 30K, and I was like, that's enough to live for like six months, and then if it doesn't work out, I'll find another job. Um, and then I also just like started, oh, now I remember. So the last piece of the puzzle that made me, push me over the edge was Asian Creative Network, which Bao and I, that's how we know each other, like we're in a songwriting producing group, that is part of that Facebook group um, community. And I started seeing like my own people, Asians in the music industry. Cause I had never really seen any prior to moving to New York. Like I met my current boss, Tammy, who runs a music school. And like, I talked with her and like, she gave me a job. Shout out to Tammy, <laughs> my first music job. Um, and I started seeing like other artists and like other working musicians. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. So just being able to, and that's why I think 
as much as representation can sometimes feel hollow um, when you see like a big, not to like shit on Simu Loop, but you know, like a huge megastar, huge megastar. Like that, that representation is important in its own way, but also can be hollow. But I think the yeah. more important representation is seeing Asian folks doing the things they love and thriving. Wow. More important, way more, way more important to me. And that's why I feel like as much as I'm like, oh, I don't want to be an artist. Um, sometimes it's a fucking pain in the ass. It's so worth it to know. Because so many people have been like, I see your life and you inspire me. You inspire me to live more my truth. Whether it be like because I'm non-binary and open about it or open about my depression or open about like switching careers. Like that to me is so fulfilling. And that's why I keep doing what I do on the artist side. But yeah, all three of those things came together. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to quit. So I did. Um, when you decided that you needed to have a six-month runway, mm -hmm. what were the calculations behind where your revenue would come from? I'm going to be honest. I had no idea. Like, I knew <laughs> I was going to teach. Um, I had been searching for teaching jobs. Um, playing for people was another. Um, I didn't get any paid gigs till way later, but I knew that was a thing I could do. Mm -hmm. um, and being an artist. That, those were the things I thought I was going to primarily make money from. Mm -hmm. And producing, kind of. Because I didn't really feel like I had the chops to produce yet. And it wasn't until the pandemic, when I like was stuck inside, that I like really dug into my craft. And now I would say, primarily, I'm a producer. Um, and producing is my main source of income right now so getting there getting there right it's just the consistency right uh, but to your to your question i do i didn't have a, a primary income stream but i knew that when i left that night or in my case 10 to 7 job um i would be able to take opportunities i wouldn't have been able to before i didn't quit ex like just because i was unhappy i also quit because i wanted a different life like I wanted to be able to, I remember like very distinctly, like I got a Broadway gig, like an off-Broadway gig. And I like had to like really shift my schedule around mm -hmm. just to do like the simple thing. I'm like, and that got me thinking, oh, if I were open, then I could do these all the time. All the time. That's right. Um, and I'm in charge of my own schedule. That was yeah. not a thing. And I think a lot of people who are freelance really enjoy that. They're like, I don't, nobody owns my time except me. Right. And my clients, yeah. kind of. But, you know, that's a whole different topic. All this has been, like, transpiring in only maybe the last five years, right? <laughs> Faster. This career change, the, um, the concept of, you know, really claiming your true kind of identity as far as being a non-binary person mm -hmm. and having the courage to kind of announce that to all your friends. Uh, honestly, Tony, I'm still, like rewiring my brain to mm -hmm. use your correct pronouns. <laughs> I'm not fucked up yet. So good job. And we're interviewing. So, <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's such a honor to have that responsibility to be like, well, this person like has a, has the clarity of who they are and they want you to support that. And that's like a nice responsibility for me to have. Mm -hmm. and, and um, I don't know, I, that's just how I feel about it, and I'm proud of you for doing all that. Um, so along with the career change in the last, like, three to five years, did that also require some sort of game plan? 
Mm, like being coming out and stuff, or quote unquote yeah. coming out. Um, quick thing, coming out is a stupid term because you bring people in and then you can yeah. choose to accept them or not. Coming out puts the power in other people. So yes. I am personally trying to bring that out of my vocabulary, but unfortunately, language is flawed. I think I have known I'm, I've been queer for a long time, since like middle school, I'd say. I mean, mm. that's not a long, long time, but middle school. That is a long time, though. Like, you're going to be... 70 years old one day and you'll be like yeah i've known since middle school that's a long ass yeah. time yeah so in, in the relative of the, the whole timeline yeah and then i've always known i wasn't a boy but i didn't have the language to like express that until way later in my life like because i knew trans folks in college and honestly mm -hmm. like i was still trying to understand them and myself and it wasn't until like honestly like this last year that i'm like I, went, I made a transition. I was like, he, him, and then, okay, he, they, and then they, them. Um, and that just was a developing thing. And it still is, honestly, because I still think non, even non-binary is an imperfect term. Yeah. Um, so. Well, language is flawed. Language is so limited. Language is so annoying. Because everything quite... is so gendered in our society, so it's hard to break mm -hmm. out of that. Um, and also recognizing that, like, especially in the times we live in with, like, Huh, let's get real. With like Asian women being murdered in New York, like Yeah. I still have to acknowledge that my mask presenting like being mask presenting still affords me those privileges, even if I am non binary. Mm -hmm. Um so I think about this all the time. Um what my place is in the world, what my place is in relative to other people, and like what is my responsibility with my privilege, um, with my platform, weird thing to say. Um, what, <laughs> what was that? that? I think that's an important one to cover. What did you feel were your responsibilities? So my responsibility is to, I don't know, be kind, Wow. <laughs> um, support people. I think I've always been that way. That's why I'm a, that's why I produce. And that's why I'm such a musician, um, more so than an artist at times, because I think for me, I get the most joy out of helping other people succeed. Um, and find their voice, uh, yeah. which is, you know, good and bad, because sometimes you ignore your own voice when you do that. But at this point in time, I feel good about saying that, because there's nothing quite like being yourself, allowing other people, like, allows other people to be themselves. Yes, I you know love I mean? that. That's, so, I've that been is, on that role lately. Yeah, that's been my responsibility. So that's why I'm like, okay, I'll post me doing makeup, even though it's only been like a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, people resonate with that. Um, actually, something that happened the other day is like one of my friends um, who I've known since forever. He's like, oh, I see your stories and like about being non-binary. Like, I'm non-binary too, and like seeing that helped me, like, like bring other people into that and like tell mm -hmm. other people. I'm like, oh. that's something that Spotify streams cannot match. Just like pure human connection yes. that like is so just on another level, like. That's what it's ridiculous how commodified our artistry has gotten um, to the point where people care more about passive streams on Spotify more than like people who are right in front of you. Yes. Willing to pay you money, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, before I start asking you about yeah, yeah. Um, how all of this translates into your new single, Daydreaming, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to. 
ask what you would consider your like special sauce as far as being a producer or a writer? Hmm. Produce. You ever thought about that? I like have hovered around it. I guess as a producer, I know my brand, but when I bring other people in, I think what's nice is I have a huge sound library in my head because I like listened to a lot of music growing up and I like listen to a lot of writers. I'm very like, I have a very, I mean, I have a really, really, I mean, not to do my horn, but I have a really good ear. Um, and cause I've heard a lot of music and I remember all of it. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, I can see that. I think that's my calling card as a producer. It's like, if you give me an emotion, I will have something for you right away. Um, and it just comes through and I follow the Prince method, you know, Prince's method was just throw it in the, like throw it on tape and then See what happens. Uh, and I have that same sort of carefree nature when I'm working musically um, in anything I do, whether it be I'm playing guitar in the theater gig or producing or writing or performing, like I just throw it out there. By the way, I, I was started as a perfectionist. I remember it took me forever to release music just because I was like, oh, it has to be perfect. It has to be this. I sound like shit. I'm like, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think I just grew emotionally tired and I'm like, oh, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> So I, I, I work with and I associate with a lot of people who are still in that place where their ideas are still precious and their recordings have to be perfect. Um, what do you think was the big thing to overcome that? Was it just like Mm -hmm. one day I need to switch it up or... I think there are two things. So number one is you have to serve the song. What does the song really need? Like it gives you a line to draw. So like, for example, if I'm singing backgrounds and there's like a slightly out of time background or slightly out of tune or whatever. And I just like take a step back and think about, okay, but did it fit the emotion of the song? Did it convey a message that a perfect take may have not of? That's like what makes it human. And that's the, that leads to my second half of this, uh, what, how I overcame perfectionism. I give myself the same grace I give my heroes or heroines or, you know, oh, we need a non-gender term for hero. But, you know, I think about like Prince, for example. There's, he sings attitude on a lot of stuff. Or like Right Yeah. Right on, Tony. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Mm-hmm. And I think that allowed us to like just blaze through the song. And I know you had a session file pulled up. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to maybe spend like, I don't know, f- seven minutes or something just yeah. talking about the evolution of the song. I think we started just discussing like, hey, this is what I've been thinking about. Yeah. And um, these ideas of pursuing what's authentic to you while knowing it's going to require some sacrifices socially or lifestyle wise or with your relationships. Yeah. I think we, if I remember correctly, we started with this loop, like just this guitar part, I think. Right. Love it. That's what we started with. Anyway, the song is about basically like you're afraid of losing your loved ones to pursuing your career and your mental health. So like, it's like a duality thing of like my depression makes me anxious about my career and my career makes me anxious about my relationships and they all interplay in a way that's like, well, what if I lose them? Um, And I I guess I realized about this song while I was like thinking about how to tell people about it. I'm like, this song is actually you losing them and like you trying not to lose anyone ever again. If I really think about it. Um, But yeah, if we think about it, right? It's like, where's that vocal? Black drips down the wall I never have time to call Pretending like I'm living. Yeah, right? I'm like, that was like, I think the first line we were, I think we did it in chronological order, right? <laughs> we did. And yeah. I, I um, specifically remember when I started those lyrics, I had so many more words in a very more rhythmic pattern. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were on a kick where you wanted really to try to remove as many words and syllables as possible and leave a lot of space. And that's, I, I love where it landed up. Uh, yeah. Landed on. God bless Wendy Parr, my vocal coach. She taught Wendy me that. Parr. The emotion is in the vowel and the sung when you sing like, um, light, light drips down the wall. But if you sing like, the light drips down, like that takes away, you know, it takes away from the, the image of light drips down the wall, right? Like that's it to me, like it's those little things that like allow you to really latch on to the lyrics into the meaning, right? Mm. I never have time to call, pretending like I'm living. I think we said like before, like, I'm pretending like, I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. It doesn't sing good, you know? And you that's something I've been thinking good. about too. That's so real, you know? Cause at the end of the day, like you have the music, like when you play it all together, right? Trips down the wall. I never have time to call, pretending like I'm living. Like when you have all that together, it already creates the emotional vibe. You don't need the lyrics to tell you about it. You just yeah. have it in the music, right? You know, the chorus talks about daydreaming. And do you remember whether that was like a concept we had already thrown out as the foundation of this song idea? I don't, I don't think so. I think, well, I really like this daydreaming concept. And honestly, a lot of my peers disagree with me it's a hot take i think it's fun (laughs) that daydreaming is usually a positive connotation but we're flipping it on its head i think that's brilliant so let's talk about that i i I, that's why i like it too like is daydreaming dangerous or nah Mm -hmm. this whole song is about like disassociating while being so in your self and your career and your Mm -hmm. depression 
Um, that's how I personally think about it. I'm like, oh, like you can easily lose yourself trying to be your best self, right? And you can easily lose other people if you do that. So that's why I think about with daydreaming. You're letting yourself drift away from the present. Let's play then... the chorus. Yeah, let's do it. Which chorus should we play? I don't know. You... Let's do the second one. I love the vocal production on this. It's so good. <laughs> I think there's a lot of tie-ins too with what we were yeah. talking about with uh, kind of music being a not something that'll pay all your bills or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of snuck into that chorus. If if you don't wake up or, or be realistic, you can just dream your life away. And um, I feel like that's a lesson that we've both learned where it's like, I don't think it's that binary. Yeah. I think you can make things work and be happy. Like what does working actually mean? Not not in terms of labor, but like what does success actually mean? Does it mean that you um, are doing everything right? Or does it mean that when you wake up every day, you're like, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. This is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's real. This, like any song with a generic sounding course, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> like any song with an ambiguous chorus, and this is like a writing thing, but like the chorus is a little ambiguous in its meaning. And I think that allows you to apply multiple situations to it. I think something I think about a lot as a singer is like every day your voice is different because every day you're yeah. different as a person. So every time mm. I sing this song live, I think about something different. You know, I don't think about what I first wrote about in that first session anymore. Love it. It just changes, right? So uh, I've said this with a lot of my friends recently, but I always think about a song as a snapshot of yourself at that time when you made it. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of associations when you look back on like photo albums and you look at a snapshot, right? There might mm -hmm. be that seed of, of what's going on in the picture, but um, there's every time you look at it, you're thinking about a lot of different things. And um, I think that's a beautiful thing about making mm -hmm. these songs. What's your favorite part on the track? Your guitar part. <laughs> Don't that, lie. I mean, I love that part, like this part. So uh, there's two parts I'm thinking about. So there's this part. It's just like so now Rogers in like a great way. Did you play that or did you replay that you, or is that my You played thing? it. That's you. That's the original Damn. thing you sent in our writing session. I kept it. Damn, time. I'm good. I didn't even retime it. <laughs> and that's what I was saying earlier. Like perfection's stupid. Like, see, it's not even like perfectly on the grid. Who cares, right? It fits the song. Um, when you play it all together, right? It's fine. It's cool that it's like a little head. You're like, oh, that's some like you know yeah um and the other part i really love is the pre-chorus the first one because it gets a little grungy um the space line
Like, yeah. Dude. The other thing I like is you got a vocal performance out of me that I've never done before, which is like that kind of screaming I want to talk about that because I think that also plays in with the theme of this song, which is, you know, really being comfortable with your decisions. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that to come out in, in... That's my favorite part of the song, by the way, the pre-chorus. Yeah. Um, and I wanted that to come out and... You know, I wanted you to be confident, but also like reject the naysayers, and that's why I was like, Tony, I think you need to like belt this out, like you're Should we you're in a grunge it? band. With that side chaining, yeah, and it turns off. Ugh. So, yeah. I, like you said, that that wasn't a vocal performance style that you would normally choose to do yourself. And how did it feel to just to have somebody prod you to break out of your normal a little bit? I mean, that's the beauty of a producer. I think self-producing is really hard. Um, I still really struggle with it, to be honest. That's why I always have like a community of people I send my music to nowadays, um, including Val. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I find it so interesting because the reaction to the song as a as of lately, is like, oh, I love this edgier sound that you're doing. Um, it's so different and mm. like such a cool departure. Um, it's just funny because it's just like the music from my childhood. And I think this whole, the songs I'm about to release are all just going back to the music of my childhood. Love like it. this is a rock song. And I haven't played rock music since like high school because I'm like, my voice is too pretty. My voice is too this. <laughs> um, but this obviously proved that I can do it. Um, <laughs> It felt so, good though, huh? <laughs> yeah, it feels it's weird, honestly. And and I had I really struggled with the imperfection that take. Like if you listen to it to get a little nerdy, like it's out of tune here, mm-hmm. right here, right? It's out of tune it right at the end. To be. There's like that little bit of eh, anyway, uh. Um, yeah. normally in the past I would have been like, oh fuck. I need to redo it or retune it. But I'm like, no. It works. Yeah. It works I for the song, it. you know? Um, so this track Daydreaming by Tony, T-O-N-I-E, mm-hmm. is streaming on all the streaming platforms currently. Um, are you also selling it as a download? So if you sign up for my email list, you get that shit for free, or it's, it's pay what you want. So if you want to pay for the song, go for it. But yeah, right now, if you sign up for my email list, you get it. Where can people like sign up for your, your list? And like, kind of stay in touch with you on a regular basis. Yeah, um, I think honestly, if you DM me on Instagram, t o n i e dot wave, I always answer. It's also in my link in bio. Um, and then maybe I'll link in the show notes. Is that a thing you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll link. In, I'll just send you the links for the show notes. And I'm also on your TikTok. Website is, uh, your website is your called itstony.com. That's right. It's Tony i t s t o n i e dot com. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, a lot of folks might already know your work as Wind Meets West, <laughs> and that was also a big change for you recently. To yeah. It's kind of scary to abandon an artist name and, and take on a new moniker, and mm-hmm. um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, if y'all look up Wind Meets West, you'll find some remnants of uh, Tony's previous songs. How do you mm-hmm. feel in total right now as far as like your confidence in, in those decisions? I mean, at the end of the day, I switched names to make, to center being an artist around me. 
rather than Your like identity. Yeah, my identity. Like I think the problem with Meets Western felt very of the old me, like old sound, being frank, old gender. Yeah. Um, from college. And lately I've been like, you know, or when I made the switch, I'm like, I'm gonna pick a name that I can't fuck up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's my name. There's no way to not fuck like there's no way to fuck that up. It's like it's gonna be my name forever. Um, I, I'm sorry, but I had the say the opposite thought where I'm like, okay, if I release stuff under Bao, that's my name, and I'm, I'm gonna like whatever I do with my art is gonna like, I have to really own it, and that yeah. was scary. I think it's empowering because at the end of the day, I'm also like, I, I mean, this is my strength, the producer and as a person, and my weakness. I'm not that attached to anything, you know. If I put a song out and I don't like it, whatever, it's there. It's a part of my life. It's cool. And I feel the same way about We Meets West stuff. That's why I've been taking it down. I'm like, they're all there. They're all part of my life. And as much as I like cringe about them, I'm like, it's cool. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and then like with my stuff now, like I'm about to release the best stuff I've ever worked on. And I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? It's awesome. Like, but at the same time, like, that doesn't mean... And this is something I've, I'm still working through. Like, that doesn't mean my old stuff was bad. It just means yeah, I'm more happy with person. what I'm doing. Yeah. Totally. I love that. I've, uh, so what's been on my mind lately is um, how much I appreciate my pretty small circle of friends mm. because I have been feeling very bombarded by events in the world for the last few years, and it's really nice to seek... Uh, to just do really mundane things with my friends and like really be present, mm -hmm. you know, like not look at my phone, just, just being around as a person. That's been a huge thing in my brain lately, just being so appreciative of that. And uh, I'm, I'm, I wonder what's been on your brain lately, like a preoccupying thought. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing right now is how much of my time, money, and energy do I want to give to being an artist? Hmm. And what does success as an artist look like? Because being real, it's like, I don't have to be an artist. I can make just as much money doing not doing that. In fact, I'd probably yeah. make more money. And not that it's always centered around money, but it's the truth. Like, we have to make money to live. Especially nowadays that I'm, like, exploring, like, my gender and, like, exploring, like, different experiences in life and, like, doing all these different things. I'm like, do I even need to be an artist to be happy, to be a full human being? And the answer I've come to is yes. But I think something I'm working through is, like, okay, then if you don't care about Spotify streams, if you don't care about views... If you don't care about this, then like, what, how do you measure success as an artist? Um, I'm still very much grappling with that Yeah. at this moment. I'm like, well, I want people to hear my music, but I don't want to care about these numbers don't mean anything. So how do I reconcile, Ooh, reconcile that beautiful, thought? Tony. It's hard. And I think every artist struggles with it. Um, yeah. And I'm still struggling with it and I will continue to struggle with it. That's okay. Love it. That's Tony Nguyen, a.k.a. Tony, T-O-N-I-E. Uh, Tony and I have a new co uh, collaborative piece 
a single called Daydreaming, which you can stream on every major streaming platform. Or you can find Tony at itstony.com. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending all this time with me. Yeah, it's a really cool conversation. Yeah. Oh, can I plug my tour before we go? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm going on a mini tour. Wow. Okay. So in March 12th, I'm playing in New York City at Gold Sounds um, at the after- in the afternoon. March 17th, I'm playing in Nashville at the Happy Hour at Camp in Nashville. So C-A-M-P. And it's like an AAPI showcase. So it'll be cool. Um, I, I love them. But yeah, I'm also playing at the Great Ruben um, Philly on the 19th. And then in July 30th, tentatively, I'm going to be in Toronto. But again, if you like what we're hearing, I would love to see you in person and chat about all this stuff. So feel free to drop me a line on my DMs. I always answer. Or just, you know, come to a show. It's even better. I love that you keep your line open for, for everybody to hit you up. Of course. Awesome, Tony. Thank you so much. Uh, You guys have been watching Coffee with Bao or listening if you're on the podcast version. Um, You can find this show on coffeewithbao.com if you want to check out any of the other episodes. Uh, Also, there's like a big support button. I think it's a blue button that says support. And um, my goal is just to have folks who enjoy this show kind of pitch in whatever they can. To help me produce these things uh, it takes a ton of time and money to do all the research and put all the production together so really appreciate that but otherwise everybody take care of yourselves there's a lot going on uh, enjoy the music that we pour our hearts and souls into um, and uh, Tony and I will see you next time on the internet bye y'all bye y'all <laughs> <laughs>